This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the latest instalment of Total Saints Podcast. We're back for more dedicated Southampton Football Club chat on everything in and around St Mary's. Now this week there's a mixture of good and bad news. I'll start with the bad news. Unfortunately Adam Leach is not with us so depending on how you look at it I'm taking it as bad news. You may not but uh, Adam has uh, headed off for a few days of R&R after the Brighton game so uh, that is the bad news out of the way. The good news is um, Lucy Heinert is back from uh, travel so Lucy good to have you back with us. How was Prague? It was lovely, thank you. Did a lot of walking. Should have done less walking, but yeah. um, it wasn't quite as restful as I hoped. But um, no, it was really good, really, really good. Recommend it um, yeah. if you haven't been, but maybe use the Metro more than we did. What was the highlight? If uh, if people are thinking of going to Prague, what was the one thing, apart from the alcohol, I imagine, that uh, sort of stood out? The alcohol? What are you trying to say about me, Ben? You're a raging How alcoholic, rude. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you look at your profile picture, that sums it up. Yeah, okay, yeah, I didn't, didn't help myself out with that one. Um. I think, no, just get in the old town, have a good wander around. Um, there's lots to see, lots to do. If you like a museum, there's lots of museums. If you like a good gallery, there's lots of galleries. Um, if you don't like that, there is a lot of beer. So, <laughs> see? all good. I was right. Good. Excellent. Well, it's good to have you back. And uh, obviously, you brought some positive uh, result with you as well. And uh, alongside Lucy, Steve is uh, back as well. Steve, we were just having a quick chat before we started there about your uh, sort of Michael Palin-esque travels down to Brighton on an overcrowded train. Yeah, I mean, obviously, from where I live in Croydon, getting to Brighton should be an absolute doddle. But um, even though it was a direct train, just getting on at East Croydon uh, yesterday morning, it was already kind of standing room only, standing under somebody's armpit, that sort of nice. that sort of experience. Yeah, it was pretty horrible. Yeah. Um, half the train emptied out at Gatwick, fortunately, so managed to get a little bit more, a little bit more space then. But it was, um, yeah, not over, not overly pleasant. 
so uh, yeah, good to kind of get off there and uh, and uh, straight onto the beach with uh, a few bottles. Yeah, see, Brighton does definitely has its appeals in terms of away games, doesn't it? Good stuff. And uh, as I say, Adam's not here, but uh, we've uh, we've managed to get Glenn Delacour on as well. So Glenn, great to have you with us. For those of you that uh, don't know, and I'm sure most of you do, Glenn obviously runs the League One minus ten dot blogspot uh, blog that we all love reading. Glenn, uh, again, it was your first game. Uh, I, I think you were back from holiday, so you were just saying you'd been to Rome and Sardinia. So again, uh, what was your recommendation? like for that first of all thanks for having me on um secondly yeah rome rome's great just did a load of walking for two or three days so me and my wife dragged the kids around and um yeah quite a remarkable place really i've mm. never been there before every every corner you turn there's an, another sort of like fantastic piece of architecture so it's all uh, it's all very good i uh, i enjoyed that a lot and then we went to the more relaxing part of the holiday was in sardinia where basically I just fried for 11 days. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's very nice. The, the most appealing thing about Sardinia is the fact that it's it's not set up for Brit tourists. Yeah. So yeah. basically didn't hear any English voices, which was quite nice. Bliss, absolutely, yeah. Not, I must yeah. say, I've, I've been to Rome and uh, you're right, it's uh, a cracking part of the world. And uh, I mean, again, from that sort of amazing architecture to the architecture of the A27 and sitting in the traffic queue on the way to Brighton. So, you know, it's, it's almost like you're still in Rome, I imagine. Almost, yeah, very, 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 very similar. It wasn't actually on my mind much while I was saying that. <laughs> and Arundel, I must admit. Yeah, so. there we go. So, well, it's good to have you on, Glenn. Thanks for joining us. Um, on this week's episode, we're obviously going to have a chat about the Brighton and Hove Albion game, which saw Saints uh, get off and running for 2019 with a win, uh, which is obviously good. As well as that, we're going to look ahead to next week's uh, Premier League fixture against Manchester United. Somewhere in the middle, we're going to have a brief chat about Fraser Forster leaving for Celtic. We're going to have a chat about Ralph's new assistant that's uh, joined his coach coaching staff and we'll also have a brief chat around the Fulham Carabao Cup game this week as well. Before we do that just a, a quick trip off to TSP Patron Corner so delighted to say we've had two more people sign up as TSP patrons this week. First is Alistair Downs who's based over in New York so Alistair a big shout out across the pond to you and also a little nearer to home to Jeremy Cowan who's based in Hampshire. Jeremy likewise a, a really big thank you to you as well and uh, very much appreciate the support in helping the podcast with its uh, evolution. Right let's get cracking this is TSP episode 8. 82, sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. Me? I could never own a hot tub. Stop it. That's the kind of negative thinking that's preventing you from sitting in a hot tub right now. Talk to Happy Hot Tubs today, where owning a hot tub is as easy as one, two, three. One, choose your hot tub. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose the way you pay with 0% finance available on selected models. I could own a hot tub. That's the spirit. You deserve happy with Happy Hot Tubs. Happyhottubs.co.uk Saints 2019-20 season has been uh, ignited after a 2-0 win down at the uh, Amex thanks to goals from Musa, Gineppo and Nathan Redmond. Lucy, I think before we get into any of the key talking points, most importantly, a really big three points. Yeah, huge three points. And and I think there was a lot of scepticism when the team sheets came out as to whether there would be three points. Um, slightly kind of strange lineup in terms <laughs> of working out where people went, what the formation might be. Um, but yeah, no, a massive three points. And, and I think really important once you, you're playing 10 men that you do get those three points. Mm, yeah. And uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's notorious, Steve, isn't it? It's never particularly easy playing against uh, 10 men. Um, look, before we get going, obviously, we've got to commend you, um, the prediction champion from last year, straight in there with a 2-1 spot on prediction. Uh, I think Adam said on uh, our group chat last night that he thought he got it. So obviously, it was delightful to be able to tell him that it was you. But uh, look, what did you make of the um, the lineup? Because I think, um, again, all of us were sort of trying to work out where everyone was going to be playing. And I think the key thing for me as well that stood out is, and it seems incredible in this day and age, that 
that that entire match day squad there wasn't one left footer in there with Ryan Bertrand out which seems a little bit odd when you think about a Premier League squad and the sort of options that a left footer gives you yeah definitely I mean I think if Bertrand is out I think everyone was just assuming that Jake Vokins would um would slot in but mm. I don't know don't know what the what the situation is with him whether um whether he's picked up a knock as well or whether um Ralph just felt he's not quite ready for the for the top level just yet yep um but Danso slotted in and and was was okay. I mean, you could tell he wasn't sort of playing in his favoured position, um, and especially given that he's he seems to be predominantly right-footed. I mean, he, he wasn't hopeless on his left by any mm. stretch of the imagination, but um, you could tell he wanted to uh, come inside more often than not. Yeah. But no, it was an odd-looking lineup initially. Mm. Um, I think people were possibly thinking that Ward Prowse might be playing as a as a left wing back. Yeah. Um, that we were going to stick with the three centre backs, and it was just just a straight um, Danso for Yoshida swap. Mm. I think probably quite relieved that that that, that wasn't the case. Yeah. But then he had Cedric um, on the bench as well. He's played left back a couple of times. I'm not saying that he's brilliant, but again, yeah. that's a more experienced option than Danso, isn't it? It is, but um, I mean, as we've seen particularly at Brighton before, that Cedric at the far post against their big men is a recipe for absolute disaster so mm. I'm not all that surprised that Cedric didn't feature I thought he might have he might have um, come off the bench maybe to um, slot in at, um, at right back once once we'd taken the lead yeah but I think uh, Ralph preferred the option of bringing on midfielders who were likely to keep hold of the ball mm. um, and certainly I mean Buffal and and Gineppo I mean I don't don't think either of them gave the ball away once yeah and while obviously Buffal's had plenty of plenty of criticism in the couple of years he's been with us um, for supposed work rate or um, ball retention um, skill, there was absolutely no issue with that um, yesterday. I thought he, he was excellent when he came on. Yeah, it's interesting, Glenn, because uh, Adam obviously tweeted last night before he uh, jetted off. Ralph had said in his uh, post-match interview that he planned to play Kevin Danso at left-back whether Ryan Bertrand was injured or not. I know you're a really, really big fan of Ryan Bertrand. I think, like most of us, you know, me technically, absolutely yeah. no doubts, attitude, and I'm not so sure, but were you surprised that he, he said that, or do you think that was sort of one of those managerial, oh, I was always going to do it anyway, it kind of worked out as I planned? Yeah, the latter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was my immediate I thought, yeah. I don't see... Yeah, I don't. I don't see how you know. There's so much emphasis on fullbacks trying to get forward and get crosses over and all that sort of stuff. And that's you know Ralph's four-two-two-two formation. He he always talks about that bit. You know, the fullbacks being the the guys who provide the width. Yeah. Um. And it it was a bit of a problem in the first half because our build-up play was so ponderous that the ball invariably ended up back with Danzo at left back, mm. and he was only ever going to club it down the line or just play it inside to Vestergaard, and then we went. Vestergaard to Romeo, back to Bednarek, endless. So it, it, you know, it gave us nothing going forward. But as Dave said, he, he, he was solid and it did nullify, helped to nullify some of the threat that Brighton have free kicks because they, they don't have much threat from anywhere else. So maybe, maybe it was planned in advance, but I, I can't see it myself. Yeah. yeah. And, and look, there wasn't much else to talk about in the first half, Lucy, other than uh, Florin Androni's uh, rather sort of uh, fateful lunge towards Jan Valerie. It was interesting. I don't know if any of you saw, but uh, the Sky Sports uh, Soccer Saturday put a clip up of uh, Androni getting kicked by one of his teammates as they were walking across the pitch uh, before the game. And he seemed to sort of get quite uh, irritated by it. So I'm not sure if Jan Valerie took the brunt of that. But look, I mean, fair play to Graham Potter. Quite rightly apologised and said that, uh, you know, it was a, an awful tackle and uh, no need for VAR on that one. 
No, um, I, don't, I don't even know what it was. It doesn't even look like an attempt to get the ball. It was just a horrible stamp, like a rake down his shin. Yeah. Which, I mean, if it had been a few few inches higher up, I think could have been, a, you know, really bad news for Valerie. Mm. Um, I mean, I was watching a stream from a very legal source, of course. Um, and they were saying, you know, oh, it's a striker's challenge. Well, I think that's a striker's a massive disservice because I haven't seen many challenges as bad as that one. Yeah. Um, and as, as much as I kind of commend Potter for, for saying, you know, we, we don't accept this and, and we apologise, I wasn't very impressed that he kind of shook Andoni's hand as if he'd kind of mm. performed some heroics as yeah. he came off. Um, totally agree. But, it's yeah. not the first time Andoni's done this kind of thing. Um, and I think if I was a Brighton fan, I'd be pretty irritated because that was only ever going to end one way. Um, and I think more than anything, it's just a relief, as I said, that that Valerie didn't end up worse off. Um, yeah. and, and I think, you know, if there were kind of two moments which changed the game, it's that one and, and the substitution to bring on Gineppo and, and kind of change things around a bit. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, to be fair to Potter, maybe let's just sort of give him a chance. The fouls on the other side of the pitch, maybe he hadn't seen a replay of it at that time. But I think unless you're sure, as you say, I, I think there was a few Brian fans clapping the player off as well, which is always an interesting one. But Steve and then Le- booing Valerie. I know, incredible, isn't it? Yeah. He'd done something so, wrong. The I pantomime like, really? villain. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, Steve, look, I know you weren't impressed by the first half. Your tweet, which I won't read out, clearly summed that up. But Lucy's, <laughs> met, Lucy's mentioned the, the sub there. Um, you know, fair play to Ralph. I think we've always been quite excited as fans that he is keen to try and win games not keen to try and stop losing them if that makes sense so look a positive sub bringing on Gineppo for Valerie and a bit of pace which I think everyone felt we needed yeah I mean I was I was surprised with the actual method of, of that substitution I thought if you want to bring Gineppo on absolutely by all means but I thought just a pretty much a straight swap for Ward Prowse would have made sense because Valerie was getting forward quite a lot mm. and he's also a natural fullback Yep. So he he knows the the sort of ins and outs of defending that position, whereas Ward Prowse doesn't. And Brighton were still, even though they had ten men, they were still getting into awkward positions for us, shall we yeah. say? Um, and I thought moving Ward Prowse back to right back, I thought possibly opened us up to um, being targeted, particularly down that flank. Hmm. Ultimately, it ended up working. I mean, let's let's face it, 78 seconds after he's on on the pitch, gineppo has gone and um, bent it into the top corner to give us the lead. Makes Ralph look like um, a genius. So, it? yes, managers will always love it when, when a substitution pays off um, to that degree that quickly. Because, hmm. um, yeah, I mean, you, en- you end up looking um, incredible, don't you? But um, it, it felt odd at the time. I mean, obviously, the, the end justifies the means, but um, it was, yeah, it was interesting, that. I mean, I don't, I don't know whether Valerie maybe was suffering some sort of after effects from that and don't they challenge but um just felt mm, that's that's strange because we've now got no fullbacks on the pitch yeah but he'd integrated it hadn't he into it into a change of system which he confirmed after the match in the post-match interviews he said that he'd used that to um switch us back to a back three and and then that would bring ward prowse more into the game in terms of his delivery mm. i mean it didn't transpire that way mm. but i think it confirmed that he knows that we are still functioning more fully with that kind of five or three at the back um and it, it looked more fluid even if it did look a little bit more defensively vulnerable at times i felt um mm. as part of that change of system again one of the 
thing that I think excites us is that Ralph is clearly someone that likes to change things during a game. He doesn't just sit back and leave it as it is. You know, we're playing 4-4-2. We're going to do that for the whole game. But again, with such a young squad, I guess that's almost some some of the nervousness. And we'll we'll talk maybe about the the 4-2-2-2 question later on. But just in general, I mean, I guess that's the nervousness is that with this young squad, if you're changing it around too much during a game, they can maybe get a bit confused about what they're meant to be doing. Yeah, I think that that is a risk. I think perhaps actually it was the reverse in this game in the sense that they're not so familiar with with the 4222 um and so when you know you've got a man advantage reverting back to something you're more comfortable with but being more attacking in the way you do it so not having conventional wing backs in the sense that we were probably playing Gineppo off one side and Warprouse off the other mm. rather than you know Bertrand and Valerie for example you know adapting a system you're familiar with um, as we did in that second half, rather than switching formation entirely, um, and, and, and as you said, we'll m- move on to the problems with with four two 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 at the moment. Um, yeah. Is probably a better way of going about it. Um, as I said, when you know that you're probably going to be in the ascendancy now that you're playing, you know, a team at home that are um, down to ten men. Yeah. Just before I ask Glenn about the Ginepa goal and everything, then it probably makes sense to talk about that now. So I guess for all of us, there's the 4-2-2-2, we know is Ralph's preferred formation. I think the concern around it is that it does leave our midfield a little bit vulnerable and it does mean that it invites the, the opposition to onto an already shaky defence. So I think we're all excited about the attacking uh, emphasis of 4-2-2-2, but maybe, uh, as I say, a little concerned about the defensive side. So how does Ralph get that balance right, Lucy, do you think? I think, actually, a lot of the problems yesterday weren't around that relationship, but kind of in the middle of the park, I think as we've already kind of touched upon, Danso being on, you know, looked perfectly solid defensively. Um, but I think if Bertrand had been around, that would have made a big difference just in terms of, firstly, he, you know, will attack more in those kind of wide areas, which is what the system relies upon. You know, you need your fullbacks for your width while you kind of attacking midfielders tuck in. Yeah. Um, we obviously didn't have that. And as Glenn said, it just meant the whole attack truncates because it just gets to Danso, who isn't quite where you expect him to be. And then mm. it either gets knocked in field or, or back to Vestergaard. Um, so that I think that was a massive problem yesterday. Um, and it's very difficult to kind of come up with a reasonable kind of judgment on that because we knew that Danso wouldn't be playing in his favourite position and he doesn't really play off his left foot. So, you know, that was always going to be a limitation. And that probably would have been one of the reasons why I'd have questioned going with that um from the outset um yeah. i also think i was quite um concerned by the relationship that ings and adams have got going up front i thought adams was very quiet i mm. thought he was very busy and bright in the, in the highlights i'd seen while i was on holiday of, of the other games but i felt he was kind of he didn't really know what his role was i didn't think in the system and i didn't see much of him and i didn't get the indication that Ings and Adams kind of knew what the other was was kind yeah. of doing yeah um so I felt like yeah that left side where you know we know Redmond and Bertrand have such a good relationship in terms of an, from an attacking perspective and that kind of relationship up top were two of the main problems we were having in making that work and I also think um if you're going to play that system on the other side James Will Prowse um as much as I really like the guy um and I think he made a massive contribution I think sometimes um, his lack of pace is a real problem. Mm. Um, and, I, and I could see what um, Steve was saying in terms of you expected that sub might be Gineppo on for Wall Prowse, just in terms of if you're staying with that system, kind of giving us a bit more pace and a bit more direction, because I think he's sometimes really good at doing kind of the hard, dirty work. But 
in terms of getting up the pitch quickly, I, I think he has problems. Um, so, yeah, I think that was another area where we had problems and I could see why he kind of changed things around with that substitution. Yeah, plenty to work on, I think. All right, then, and uh, obviously it was good to see Musa Dineppo get off uh, and run in Glen with a, a great strike. Um, I saw an interesting stat last night, actually, which, bearing in mind, you think of the Pellegrino era when I know that confidence was low, but they would get to shooting uh, positions and then pass it because no one wanted to take the uh, the emphasis on them. Um, since the start of last season, so 2018-19, only Tottenham Hotspur, 17, have scored more Premier League goals from outside the box than Southampton FC, 15, which is level with Man City. So I think two things, Glenn, you know, what did you make of the goal? But secondly, it's obviously good now to see Saints having a bit of confidence to shoot from outside the box. And uh, unsurprisingly, if you take a shot every so often, they go in. Yeah, you, you miss all the shots you don't take. Exactly, uh, exactly. It's bothered me about various Saints sides down the years um, that we, we never seem to shoot enough. And obviously you don't want, remember Gabbiadini a few years ago got into this habit of shooting from 45 yards. Yeah. You know, so obviously you don't want that. But yeah, having efforts from outside the box, it has to be done. And if you get it in anywhere near the goal, it sort of like raises the excitement level in the crowd and probably gets the team up for it a bit as well. But yeah. it's funny, as soon as Ings picked up that ball and spread it out to Gineppo, you knew he was going to shoot mm. because he just had that focus on heading towards the goal that virtually no one in the entire game on either side had, had up till that point. You know, as soon as it left his foot, it was in. Yeah. Um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant goal. And, you know, great to see him actually commit the defenders and run directly towards the goal. Um, and we need more of that. And obviously when Buffal came on, we got even more of that. So uh, yeah. everyone else seemed to come alive. You know, Redmond came alive as well. He had a couple of runs in the first half, but never really looked like he had the conviction that he had on the, the tail end of last season. But... Uh, if they can find a way of getting those guys on the pitch um, yeah. at the same time on a regular basis, then uh, yeah, always looking good. No, absolutely. And uh, I think even then, you know, even at uh, sort of one nil, there was a fair bit of nervousness around that we'd potentially concede. You know, I think all of us were waiting for it to potentially happen, or maybe that was just me. But I think second goal, obviously, Buffel, great run. Nathan Redmond taps in at the back post. Um, yeah, just sort of finishing that that bit. Then, Steve, we, we've spoken a lot, I think, the last two or three years about the lack of sort of impact players that are coming on from uh, the bench. Um, you know, we've got quite a few now in attacking third, and obviously he's going to struggle to get all of them into the side. But it's good, you know, the likes of Buffal Gineppo to come on and I think personally for me you know really pleased to see Buffal hopefully getting a run now under Ralph and I know the transfer window is still open for Europe but you've got to think that he's someone that Ralph can uh, see as a game changer for the next few months to come yeah definitely and it was good to see him come out on social media mm. during the week to basically rubbish any suggestion that he's going elsewhere this month Look, we all know he's got the talent. It's been a case of how do you apply it properly in a team environment. And that was that was the only real question mark over him. And I think, Ralph, as we said over the summer and perhaps even back end of last season, if any manager's going to get the best out of him, it's going to be someone who's who's kind of tuned into what an individual player needs for their sort of man management. And yeah. I think Ralph is quite well suited to that. And I think we've already seen that I mean, Buffal seems seemed a lot happier in himself just from the videos and photos that we see from the training during the week yep. and the little cameos that he's that he's had at Burnley and uh, here yesterday bodes very well, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, obviously, uh, Ralph was as pleased as the rest of us after the game. Here's what he had to say to SouthamptonFC.com. Yeah, massively important for everything. I think we. After two games without a point, you are always under pressure, it's normal. And we had here last season a good game, 1-1-0. And this game was 
not easier today. Even if, uh, and from the moment when we were one up, I think it was uh, a good organized opponent with a lot of self-confidence. And we tried to, yeah, to find a good balance of, of having ball possession or playing in front. And I think we did it not always very good. We can do it much better, but there's something we must we must develop, I think. And uh, finally, two fantastic one against one situations. Uh, one time uh, Musa, one time Sofian decided the game. Happy for Musa that he made his first goal, and for Nathan that he made his first goal. I think it's important for both. And finally, yeah, a good a good reaction from my team uh, to believe in what we are doing and and show that we can win games in Premier League. A big three points for everyone at the the club, Lucy, but particularly Ralph. And you know, good for his confidence now to have that win under the belt. I think some pundits have been quite negative on what they expect from us this season and, and some have been very positive. So I feel like it's kind of a little bit of justification, I think, uh, when you get those kind of three points to um, to say Robbie Savage, you're definitely wrong. Uh, <laughs> and I think it's one of those things, particularly with our tough fixtures, if you, if you don't kind of start collecting points soon, it starts to become a little bit of a burden and, and it kind of weighs on you psychologically. Mm. Um, and I think there's that confidence factor that, that will come from it. And I think... Given that, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, given that um, Palace have just beaten Man United, I think that'll be a nice little boost as well, kind of combining the two results together um, for for next week. So I think, yeah, no, I think that's really important. And I think he'll have learned a lot, um, despite playing against Temin, I think he'll have learned a lot about, as you were saying, kind of the options off the bench. Um, I think maybe there's a question about maybe Gineppo might might start a game, maybe. Um, I think he'll have learned more about... Maybe his centre-back options in terms of... Because I thought Danso did look very solid um, despite playing left-back. Um, mm. He'll have learnt a few few things about squad, I think, more generally. So I think, yeah, I think it's really positive and it will give him a little bit more kind of licence to experiment, I guess, because he, he's kind of, you know, had a good go at it this, this game and it's kind of paid off for him. Good, all right. Well, pending Wolves and Newcastle playing this weekend, Saints have rocketed up to... Uh... 17th um, but there you go you do get the feeling that uh, it's potentially a bigger step forward for everyone at the club than uh, just a couple of positions Earlier this week, Fraser Forster rejoined Celtic on loan until the end of the season. Glenn, Steve, Lucy, myself, Adam have spoken a bit in the first couple of pods about the fact that uh, you know Saints obviously have three senior goalkeepers on the books, certainly not going to be able to play all of them. So it wasn't necessarily a surprise to see one of them leave, um, albeit on loan. But were you maybe surprised it was Fraser and or that it was back to Celtic? Slightly surprised that it was Fraser because um, with the wages that he's reportedly on, I thought he was the least likely to go. But... Um, the fact that it's Celtic, obviously, he's very well thought of up there. So, again, it's a win-win. I'm, I'm sure we have we haven't got the full wages off the book for the season, but uh, we'll have got some of it off the books for the season. Um, hopefully, he plays well up there and gets himself back into a bit of form and either to come back to us next season or to uh, have a better chance of moving him on in, yeah. the, in the summer. So, no, I hope he does well. I've got nothing against the guy at all, but it was... You know, when, when he came back from the injury, he played well for a bit. And then there was just such a steep decline um, mm. that, yeah, he needed to go. He was never going to get back in the team here as things stood. So, uh, no, hopefully it's good for everyone. 
I totally echo that. I think all Saints fans would uh, wish him the best of luck, and uh, obviously we'll see how it goes and keep our eye on it. But uh, while it was one out, it was also one in, although this one was part of Ralph's management team. Austrian Richard Kitzbichler joined Saints at the end of the week, becoming first-team assistant coach to Ralph, and also, as we're being told, opposition analyst. Kitzbichler is a former midfielder who played 17 times for the Austrian national team. Previously, he worked at Redbird Salzburg and then in Beijing within the Chinese Super League. Steve, obviously we don't know much about him, but uh, as a fellow Austrian, Ralph will obviously uh, know a bit about him, I imagine. And uh, I think the most important thing that I'm certainly uh, positive about is that that will now help take a bit of the burden away from Ralph in terms of trying to analyse the oppositions and help get the first team ready. Yeah, I mean, I think having uh, staff surrounding the, the manager who he has chosen, I think, is always positive, I think. I mean, Saints have done this quite a lot in, I mean, in the last 20 years, really, where they've changed managers and, and a new man has come in and has been basically told to retain certain members of staff. Yeah. Um, like Stuart Gray was was always kind of held around for that sort of thing for a number of years and that kind of stopped us getting certain managers in mm-hmm. um a number of years ago and and various various little things like that i mean obviously dave watson's still around and it's kind of taken ralph until this summer to change his role because he wasn't overly happy with the work he was doing as goalkeeping coach yeah. um so yeah to get kits bishler in I've just looked up his name and uh, well tried to vaguely work out how to pronounce it. And to get him in and, and to get it done fairly quickly, I think, mm. is, is good. Because um, it, as you say, takes a bit of a load off of off of Ralph. And I think, to be honest, it's, it's also someone who's going to come in and not be afraid to sort of offer contrary opinions. Yeah, yeah. So he's going to, like, if, if Ralph's got a, got a view of certain things, this guy may... If he sees something different, he's not going to be afraid to voice that and say, look, have you thought about maybe doing this, this or this? Because mm, mm. otherwise you you run the risk of, as a manager, you, you just develop tunnel vision and yeah. you and all of a sudden you're then picking the same, literally picking the same 11 players in the same system every single week because mm. you kind of fall into the sort of football manager game ethos of, well, you don't change a system that's working for you. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Lucy, that Steve's made there is because I think even Ralph, having been involved in uh, the Premier League for nearly 12 months now, Dave Watson, Calvin Davis, again, they're, they're quite ingrained in, in understanding. So maybe this guy will be someone that can also offer ideas that people haven't thought about, that sort of out-the-box ideas that maybe will help us pick up the odd point here and there. Yeah, definitely. I think, as, as Steve has said, we have had a problem, um, you know, over the last... 20 years as he said um of kind of keeping on these legacy appointments and then then you're kind of struggling for fresh ideas you know and i I totally agree with that i think also another point about uh i'm gonna go with kits bichler just call call him richard i mean i feel we know him well enough now we can just call him okay we know him well enough yeah richard um (laughs) i feel like he he kind of has this background i don't know if if kind of people picked up on it but he has this background as a video analyst Mm. and i think we've seen several times um ralph talking about how he you know plays clips to players you know talks them through games you know he is very much focused on that kind of element of the game i know we have a team behind the scenes that help with this kind of thing but if you have someone that is very attuned to that way of thinking um and and that way of kind of building analysis and, and then coaching around that kind of element of the game which I, I don't think anyone would say was kind of Dave Watson's forte or yeah. you know in the kind of existing coaching staff if you've kind of got that bank of knowledge behind you I think that's really helpful and I think not only do we have quite an ingrained coaching staff we also have quite a British core of the coaching staff who have will yeah. have a specific style um, and approach which I feel possibly isn't 
the most compatible with kind of Ralph's background. So I think it was also kind of about freshening approach as well as kind of, you know, the fact that he's new. I think there's something probably more ingrained to kind of his style, but which was important. Manchester United next up in the Premier League at Saints, but before that, it's the Carabao Cup trip to Fulham. Bearing in mind the, the result down at Brighton now then, Steve, do you think it's uh, a bit of a free hit for Ralph and the team, or do you think there's always pressure around having a decent cup run? I think winning breeds winning, so therefore he'll be wanting to go far in this. Fulham will be a test. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously they, they got beat at home by Forrest. Um, yeah. yesterday which was a little bit of a surprise but um, I mean the way they absolutely dismantled Millwall last week was extraordinary so I think it's going to be a very open game that's for sure on Tuesday mm. um, yeah I mean it's going to be a tough test for us I would be amazed if we don't make at least six changes mind yeah um, given that we've got a fairly fairly big squad I mean not necessarily a deep squad but we've got a big squad so I think it's it's worthwhile giving a few players who haven't had an awful lot of minutes under their belt, giving them a giving them a run out to see whether whether they can kind of force their way into the side. Yeah, Fulham will probably make changes as well, so it's going to be kind of a, a half second string from both teams. Um, so you would think we should still be favourites, but it'll be a challenge. Yeah, Glenn, I think I know your answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. In terms of cut runs, positive thing or an unwelcome distraction? No, it's a positive thing. You've got mm. to go for it. Last year, if you're really struggling down at the bottom and you're deep into the season when the FA Cup comes around, you kind of maybe can't afford to take the FA Cup too seriously. It's a horrible thing to say, yeah. but, you know, because you have to concentrate on the league and staying up. But at this stage of the season, there's, there's absolutely you know, no problem with going for it. But I do see that we will, as Steve said, I think we will try quite a few of you know, players who are not playing 90 minutes at the moment. But that could be exciting in itself. I mean, Gineppo and Buffal may mm. well start the game. Maybe he'll want to play Danzo at centre-back. Obafemi will probably play. You know, players like that will come in. Yeah. Maybe like Wesley Hoyt will play. Who knows? <laughs> well, you never know, let's, not, let's, let's not be silly. <laughs> no, let's not be yeah. silly. The other interesting thing I noticed, Lucy, just in terms of uh, fixture chaos at the start of the season, is that Fulham are actually away to Cardiff on Friday night. So they're not going to have much turnaround time. So you've got to think that if the league is there preference that again as Steve says they're probably going to make changes as well and maybe not take it as seriously which does open the door for us yeah I think you know Fulham will be targeting promotion won't they and there's always that problem you have in the championship where you've got more fixtures and you've got you know more to manage so I think yeah there are pressures on both teams for different reasons Mm. um I don't think either will kind of throw the game but we'll see changes and perhaps you know having more of a break will have an impact if you're looking at kind of preserving more of your squad if there are going to be lots of changes perhaps you know that turnaround won't be won't matter as much um so it'll be kind of a case of seeing how much is kept and how much has changed i think you know if we're, we're talking about perhaps Gineppo and Buffal and and those players starting um Obafemi, yeah. they're not exactly going to have had many minutes under the under their belts anyway so i don't think fatigue will be much of a problem in that sense and, and i think the same for fulham although we talk about you know fixture build up it's early in the season so i wouldn't think it'd be too much of an issue so collectively i'm not going to do predictions but collectively we're all very very positive myself included that saints will get through that 
That's resounding. Good. Uh, right. <laughs> yes, 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 we are. Yes, good. All right, good. Okay, good. All right. Well, moving on then, as mentioned, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United are next up at St Mary's uh, next weekend. Um, not the, the great side or force that they, they once were under Sir Alex Ferguson, Steve, but still a, a strong-looking side on paper. Yes, and to be honest, their main handicap is the uh, the Norwegian fella sat in the dugout. Um, he's just an absolute fraud of a manager and should not be in charge of a club of that size. Yeah. Um, and I hereby predict that he will be sacked before Christmas. Oof, there you go. Um, but on paper, they're a good side. They've got plenty of quality throughout most of the team. I think they're a little bit they're a little bit ropey in the centre of midfield and maybe the centre of defence. Um, but other than that, I mean, they've got quality players. I mean, Pogba mm. on his day um, is outstanding, but you've got to kind of toss a coin as to when that day is going to be. Yep. Um, Martial and Rashford up front are both excellent, and they're players that will cause us trouble and, and have done in the past. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, they're they're a strong side. And, and it's Man United. Of course, they're going to be decent and they're going to be a big test for us. But if they if they play in a similar sort of open way, to the way that Solskjaer seems to be setting them up to play, then that leaves the door open um, for us in, in a similar way that Liverpool did. Although, I mean, Liverpool are 10 times the team that United are at the moment. Yep. And if United play to a level that Liverpool played for probably an hour of the game against us, we will win that game. Hmm. I'm absolutely confident that we will win that if if United do not turn up. Yeah. In terms of their transfer activity over the summer then, Lucy, um, obviously they've spent a fair bit of money on Wampasaka, Maguire, people like that. Again, they've shown already in the early start of the season that they don't look particularly great at the back, and I think obviously that'll take a bit of time for them to get up to speed. I appreciate that. But I think in terms of Saints, you know, there will be opportunities there. You created opportunities against Liverpool, so I think in terms of United coming into town, I think we're all generally confident that there will be the opportunity, especially off the back of the Brighton result, to pick something up. I think they're a much improved team defensively on last season, just as you say, through those recruits of um, Wabasaka and Maguire. As yesterday showed, or it'll be several days when people are listening to this, but yesterday showed um, they still have those frailties. I think there are still questions about David Haya. Um, mm. He let, let in a shot at his near post yesterday, which you wouldn't have put down as kind of his kind of level. Um, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's yet another of those uncharacteristic mistakes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been a year of those uncharacteristic yeah. mistakes, really. Um, but, I, yeah, so there are still those problems. Um, I'm expecting quite an exciting game because mm. uh, they've changed their approach slightly um, this season in the sense that they've ditched Lukaku. They've gone to kind of Martial being the, the, the front man. Um, and they're, they're, and they've brought, obviously, James in. Uh, there's a lot more pace up front, which is a concern for me, mm. um, just based on Vestergaard looks so uncomfortable every time there's anyone remotely pacey. Yeah. Um, I thought it was quite staggering sometimes uh, yesterday where a ball would be sent quite directly and he'd have 10 yards on a man and that man would have made those 10 yards in a fairly short space of time. That's a concern. And I'm expecting quite an end-to-end game um, on that basis that we I would expect us to play quite a lot of pace as well. If you're not careful, I think it might bypass the midfield quite a lot, um, yeah. which is a shame because as I think I agree with Steve in the sense that I think that's the one area of the pitch where we might be able to get our foot in quite well. I think we're going to have to be quite aggressive um, to kind of make the most of their frailties. Um, and I think those wins high up the pitch that Hoybier likes to specialise in will be also quite important. Yeah, I have to say, you mentioned Lukaku there. It's uh, <clears throat> kind of a positive summer for us in terms of... Uh, Players leaving the uh, 
Premier League because obviously Arnautovic went, he always scores against us. Lukaku went, he always scores against us. So that was quite a positive as well. But I think, um, you know, I guess the thing is, Glenn, from a Saints point of view, obviously Ralph has been chopping and changing the team the first couple of games to try and get a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of a pattern, a bit of consistency going. But I, I guess for all of us, it will obviously depend what happens with the Fulham game, the result, the you know, how players are fresh after that. But it's going to be an interesting, again, from a Saints point of view, to try and understand who he's going to pick and what formation he's going to go with. And I guess the positive of that is United won't probably know what to expect either. Yeah, when you're playing Liverpool, you kind of know you have to play a certain way, otherwise you're going to get absolutely destroyed. Mm. Um, well, I say that Arsenal didn't seem to understand it yesterday, but uh, <laughs> you can't go out and be expansive because you're just going to get stuffed if you do that. Yep. It depends how Ralph sees this Manchester United team, if he sees it as being particularly dangerous. Um, you know, can he afford to put a Gineppo or a Buffal in the team or does he have to be more pragmatic? Um, it hasn't been mentioned yet, but the problem I always have with Manchester United is that you, you need to get, regardless of how good or poor they are, you need to hope for some sort of fair shake off the referee. Mm. Um, and obviously, we've got VAR now. Great. So you won't get the huge goal decisions going against you, hopefully. Um, like when Lukaku pushed Hoyt over last year and scored. Was it yeah. a year before? I can't remember. So that wouldn't have been given this season. But it, it's all the little decisions that affect the flow of the game. I don't know who the referee is. I don't know if it's even been allocated yet. I don't yet, think it has, no. No, you need to get a fair shake. Otherwise, you are up against it. But uh, I think I tend to agree with Luce. I think Ralph will go for it a little bit more against United at home. Yeah, we're probably due a Anthony Taylor or something like that, aren't we? Probably uh, one of those ones that doesn't really ever do anything against the uh, the big six uh, clubs. But uh, let's have a chat about predictions then. I think obviously... Uh, we can uh, hopefully uh, approach these much more positively now after the Brighton game. Um, Lucy, you came up with the idea during the week because Adam was moaning about the fact that oh, he was going to go for the same score as Steve, but Steve had already had it. But then I thought we agreed a couple of weeks ago that everyone could have the same score if they wanted to. So I think he's only got himself to blame. But you uh, you came yeah, up... Yeah, I think he forgot the rules. Well, he did, didn't he? But then he makes them up as he goes along. But yeah. I think maybe from next week we'll start doing sealed bids. That was your idea. So everyone can send me their predictions offline during the week and then uh, I'll collate them together and it'll be far more exciting. But I did manage to get Adams before uh, he headed off so he has predicted a uh, one-all draw for Manchester United so uh, um, we'll see how that one goes um, Lucy as you're back what about you I'm thinking along similar lines but as I said I think we're going to struggle with their pace so I'm going for a two-all draw two-all draw nice excellent goal bonanza so uh, cool Glenn's what do you reckon well can I do Adam's predictions for him oh well, you say he's done what he's done one all. I mean you could go like 28-17 or something and we could just put that in instead yeah I'm do something like that um Against United, 2-1 to us. 2-1 to us, nice. Okay, Steve, what do you reckon? You're on a roll now, obviously, as champion and correct prediction. Yeah, I was sort of toying with um, with the win for this one, but I just just think that against the big sides, we, for whatever reason, we just don't get the rub of the green, whether it's mm. from our own performance or refereeing decisions. And obviously with VAR, it's, it's always just the minor little ones outside the box that yeah. don't really have any consequence, but just build up and just get really bloody annoying. <laughs> um, so I think we'll probably still be on the wrong end of something. Yeah. Um, so I think United will probably sneak it 2-1. 2-1, OK, all right. Um, yeah, I, I'm much the same. I mean, twofold, really. I think, as you guys have mentioned, I'm slightly concerned about Rashford and Martial running at our uh, defence. But I think also, more importantly, I've now fallen on a very successful remedy of predicting Saints to lose 1-0 at Brighton and then winning. So um, in true Stanfield style, I'm obviously going to stick with that prediction and uh, predict Man United to win 1-0. 
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. It's always much more fun when we've got a win and some positives to talk about. Let's hope they can keep coming now. Just before we finish up, I had a, a note through from Bruce Borthwick this week. Bruce lives down in New Zealand and is keen. I think he's aware that there's quite a few Saints fans down in New Zealand, so he's keen to try and set up a uh, Auckland or New Zealand-based Saints supporters uh, club. So if you are interested, you can get hold of Bruce uh, on either email, bruce.borthwick, which is B-O-R-T-H, W-I-C-K 451 at gmail.com so that's bruce.borthwick 451 at gmail.com or you can find him on Twitter at BruceB207 so if anyone's down in New Zealand I know there's a few of you that listen to this and are keen to set up a Saints supporters club down there then please do it that'd be great in the meantime we'll see you next week thanks to Lucy Steve and Glenn and keep marching in days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.